Are you an angel? What? An angel. I heard the deep space pilots talk about them. They're the most beautiful creatures in the universe. They live on the moons of Diego, I think. You're a funny little boy. How do you know so much? I listen to all the traders and star pilots who come through here. I'm a pilot, you know, and someday I'm gonna fly away from this place. You're a pilot? Mm-hmm. All my life. How long have you been here? Since I was very little. Three, I think. My mom and I were sold to Gardula the Hutt, but she lost us betting on the pod races. You're a slave? I'm a person, and my name is Anakin. I'm sorry. I don't fully understand. This is a strange place to me. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our second episode of Star Wars Lessons here on the Wampus Lair. I am your host, Carla Claire, and I am joined by the venerable, incomparable Marie Claire of What the Force podcast. Marie Claire, I'm so glad to have you with me tonight. Such an introduction. I don't think I've ever been introduced that well before. <laughs> I just call it like I see it. I mean, the stuff oh. that you do over on What the Force is just incredible. So I'm, I'm so honored oh. that you're taking the time to, to be on just the second episode of this uh, today. This like big blush moment. I've actually done a fair <laughs> amount of uh, guest spots in the last month. It's weird for me. I I, I typically don't uh, go on other people's podcasts that often. So this is this is a real joy. So I thank know. you. I am so excited. Well, and you know, Jason and I had the luxury of meeting you over a year ago at Celebration Chicago, and uh, we just I think we bumped into you on the uh, the bus between the hotel and the convention center. The and, bus, yeah. yeah and, and you were wearing Wampus Lair, like, swag and everything. And I was like, hey, you're a podcaster. <laughs> I'm a podcaster. Can you believe that? We're <laughs> podcasters. Like, everybody's a podcaster. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> no, but you were, was, you, It was my first celebration, and I was really, really, really excited. You were so nice. And you had so many, like, tricks of the trade that... Uh, you were so willing to offer up right from the get-go, which is just just so kind. Um, Jason and I are just so basic in so much of what we do, and you're just you're you're so like well understood about how the podcasting world works, and you're always looking into new and exciting things, and you were just so quick to offer up uh, so much of your own experience. And you know, when we when we got to the convention center and parted ways that day, and I knew that you knew Katie. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, we told Katie that we had bumped into you. And she's like, isn't she the best? And we're like, yeah. <laughs> so, um, well, I just, I feel like knowledge is something that, like, doesn't necessarily belong to to me. You know, maybe maybe it's a very Jedi thing for me to think about. But, like, knowledge is meant to be shared because then more people can, you know, become better and um, create more content and deeper conversations. And I think that that's better than having, I don't know, squalored away all this wisdom and knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, I know that I'm glad that you, you do so much to offer yours up and and you do so much like with the show, with the forces you're always doing. um, I I just love the topics that you choose and the, 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 certain avenues that you dive into on what the force um 
uh, like your knowledge of the myth and the mythical world and how that ties into Star Wars. And it's just incredible. (laughs) And, and the people that you kind of share that platform with also have such an incredibly uh, rich depth of knowledge also on those topics. So um, yeah, it just seems like you really know how to find people that have a lot of really intelligent things to say and then just give them the space to say it. (laughs) Yeah. Like I, a long time ago when I started with the force and actually started to figure it out because it does does take you a little bit of time to figure out hey what kind of content am I producing what am I going to be all about Um, when I started to figure that out I made the decision pretty quickly that I would try to have as many especially female voices to represent this fandom um, and in as many of those women of color if I can or diverse backgrounds or just different experiences and because, you know, sometimes I hear, um, like, I, I'd be listening to a podcast and they're like, oh, we just couldn't find any or seen them tweet out, like, they couldn't find any women to talk about something. And I'm like, there are so many women in this fandom. There are so many incredibly intelligent women, especially. And, you know, we have a lot to say. Uh, some of us are saying it in incredible incredibly fascinating ways and so you know I find people I try to you know build relationships with them just because mainly I'm interested in finding out who they are and what they have to say and that comes through when I invite them on the podcast and they speak because that's what it's all about is just hey you're an interesting person share your experience Mm -hmm. yeah I love it (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, so uh, I'm excited because we're going to talk about a Phantom Menace scene today. And yes. I love episode one so much. I know that you also deeply love episode one. And, um, you know, the whole idea of this segment is just invite people to pick a scene that you really love and you feel like there's something there that is worth talking about. And, um, I'm going to just, I, you picked it. So I'm going to let you, you know, introduce the scene we're going to be talking about, uh, for this episode. Okay. So this is the scene by which Anakin and Padme are introduced for the first time in the, in the junk shop, Watto's shop in the Phantom Menace. Um, it's on Tatooine. It's kind of our first introduction to Tatooine other than kind of in, into the city, we actually get to see kind of in a building and uh, there's a little bit of an exchange before that as Qui-Gon and Watto go off um, to go and try and find the Nubian parts for the, for the Nubian uh, ship that they're trying to, the hyperdrive and, you know, Padme uh, is shocked to find out as, Anakin is kind of prattling on about different things. Um, she's just shocked to find out, like, you're a slave. <laughs> and that's literally, you're a slave? She's, like, questioning. And he's, Anakin looks at her defiantly and says, I'm a person. My name is Anakin. And I love this scene because it is so Star Wars in the most... Um, wonderful George way without ever actually telling us exactly what it's trying to say. And it, it helps me really frame 
the whole saga in in many ways because both things that are said in that scene are true. Both of them are true. He is a slave and he is also an independent person. And to deny either one of them actually gets us into problems as a, as a person. And that's, you know, it, 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 it really shows how many uh, layers to Anakin there are and how much he has to actually handle and how much he ends up actually failing at handling these different complexities associated with him. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I, I love that that's the part that you like kind of dig into is, is, is Anakin's statement there. Yeah. Like the Phantom Menace in general is, is a perfect Star Wars. And I could go long and long and long into why that talks about symbiosis, the idea that everything um, has dark and light in it and that how we resolve those things is how we come through the other side. You know, very um, Zen Buddhist in a way that you can't have light without dark you can't have dark without light you can't have a swell of a wave without the you know the depression or the mm. the um um oh, regular the you know <laughs> i don't know enough about oceanography to help you i'm so sorry <laughs> yeah no, no 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 but you know you can't have the ups and the downs without having both mm-hmm. and this scene really does frame that quite well because Anakin himself is both part of the institution, the institutionalized slavery that he Mm. has become a part of by being sold into slavery at a young age with his mother, but he is also an individual. And in Star Wars, we are often... We, we often tend to rely on the binaries of right and wrong or good and evil or light and dark or, you know, I'm part of the rebellion or the empire. But in so many ways, all of us actually fall somewhere in the middle. Mm. We're never just fully light or dark. And it's really interesting to see that Star Wars relies so much on binaries when the truth is always us trying to navigate our way on a binary plane. It's not necessarily that we are one or the other because we can never be one or the other. We can be on the journey towards one or the other, Mm -hmm. but we're always in motion because it's always a journey. And what I love about this is that it really does show that two things can be true at the same time. And we in society, we in uh, adulthood especially, tend to try to simplify things into, oh, you know, you're, you believe in XYZ and so you're a bad person. Or you're, you believe in, you know these things and so you're a good person but 
that's not necessarily true. And the world is much more complex than that. And being able to see two things simultaneously at the same time existing is part of becoming a full human and understanding that, you know, the world is not necessarily just black and white. Yeah. And nor is it gray. I, I, I don't believe in the concept of like gray Jedi or whatever, because mm-hmm. everybody is the hero of their own story. But the, the stuff with Anakin gets more complicated especially when you start to dig into his journey and where he goes from that point on. Because, I mean, Padme represents significant change for him from a psyche perspective. Um, It's the first time he's introduced to a woman that isn't his mother that he has a deep love and commitment to. Um, And, you know, that only grows with time, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's introduced to, you know, the feminine uh, rather than just, you know, his own sphere of influence. Right. Yeah. Oh, I, I really like that. And, and, you know, um, the idea of holding these two identities to be mutually true, um, I think is going to right like the way that that probably then plays with his understanding of himself. Once he becomes a Jedi, he's, he's a Jedi, but he's also still a person and his name is Anakin, right? Um, the, the, the system that he is part of as a slave is obviously a corrupt and extremely broken system. Slavery is terrible. <laughs> um, and that, but then he becomes part of another system. Um, and Which that, has the same master apprentice model. Right. right? Yeah. Mas- you you report to the mat to a master. You he's still part of the institution, and he struggles with the idea of trying to become a an individual or or his individualistic needs in association with the institution that he is now also part of these, these themes, this, this the, the, the themes that he struggles with, with being an individual and loving Padme and wanting a life with her versus the institution and the society that he has sworn his allegiance to allegiance to and what he represents as a figurehead, because he is considered to be one of the best Jedi. Mm-hmm. He is the best Jedi. Him and Obi-Wan are the best. So it's like he represents this whole thing, this whole institution that is being upheld and then eventually falls. Mm. Yeah. And that, that's why I've always loved the um, Slavers of Kadavo arc in Clone Wars is mm-hmm. where that question is really presented quite bluntly to Anakin um, by the by, the queen of Kadavo, where she basically says, you know, your allegiance to the Republic and your allegiance to the Jedi is just a form of slavery. And obviously, he's quick to push back, but it raises that question. You know, I mean, are you, you know, we all give up individual freedoms to be right. part of society. That's the social contract. Yeah, you yeah. know, um, but he certainly did have to give up more to be a significant figure within that society, which he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I want to, I want to ask you about the, 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 so one of the things I love in that, in that scene as well is, is, is when Anakin um, immediately just feels the, the comfort to kind of express a life dream. You know, I'm a pilot. 
you know, and one day I'm going to fly away from this place, right? Like he's kind of, he's confessing, uh, you know, a truth that he wants to be bigger than, you know, the, the, the state of enslavement. Um, obviously it's something very, very different context, but similar at affirmation of Luke in the binary sunset, right? There's this desire yeah. for, to be, to grow beyond the limitations of where you're at. And, you know, for Anakin there to kind of confess this to ultimately a stranger, I, I'm curious what you think. Do you think that this is something Anakin's quick to offer up to just anybody that's going to come in and listen? Or do you think it's something more so because seeing Padme being introduced to this new type of feminine presence in his life, that that kind of just opens this door for him to kind of confess this, you know, kind of boyish dream? Yeah, I, I, that's really interesting. And I don't know that I've thought about it that way, but I do find that in many ways, um, you know, women are sought out to be, to approve of things, you know? So, uh, I often find that I'm, I'm the person that people go to to be like, Hey, I just got to run this idea past Mm. you. And, and maybe that's what's going on. Maybe, um, you know, a certain aspect of himself is being reflected in Padme for the first time. That is not his mother that he actually feels like, you know, Hey, maybe you can see the true me in here, um, (laughs) with this conversation. And I, I'm sure he has shared shared that with his mother, but would he have shared that with, say, a Watto or another junk trader or another smuggler or something like that? Maybe not. Maybe the idea that Padme was walking in was very comforting to him. And he certainly does when you look at the Clone Wars and you look at, you know, the saga in general. He, Anakin, relies quite heavily on female presences in his life to give him direction, mm. especially like Ahsoka. And um, we're even getting it uh, more recently in the more recent Darth Vader comics that's coming out. He runs into uh, Sabe. So it's like, even then <laughs> he is still looking for direction and he relies quite heavily on uh, female influences in his life. Mm. Do you think that's a direct derivative of the fact that Shmi was his whole world for the first decade of his life? I don't know. I think that we, if we're too, you know, we're a balance of things from a Jungian perspective, especially they would say like his, his anima is out there and he is reflecting the feminine aspects of himself out to, you know, try to find direction uh, because he can't speak to himself internally enough. Um, I I think that, you know, we, like if you think about Young or uh, how Robert Bly would talk about how we project things onto others, it's a way of dealing with the, you know, secret things in our brains that we wouldn't normally want to unpack, you know, our baggage, um, how we how we view the universe. And so he probably relies on the women in his life to do that because the men, especially you're thinking Obi-Wan, you're thinking Yoda, you're thinking Mace Windu wouldn't understand how he's feeling. Mm. Yeah. Right. This vulnerability, this idea that, uh, you know, he has dreams outside of the, outside of the, the junkyard that he (laughs) helps. Yeah. 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 And 
You know, it's and it's it's interesting that he kind of he he kind of opens that up and confesses this this deep longing before mm-hmm. we get to the the biggest impediment to that longing, which is his enslavement, right? You know, that still hasn't, you know, at this point, Padme is just kind of listening to this young person um, kind of express this desire to, you know, be out among the stars, to to, to live a bigger life. And then it kind of comes up, well, oh, gee, how long have you been here? Well, my whole life. And he kind of Mm -hmm. gives the brief snippet of, of his of his biographical journey to this point, he and his mother were sold off into <laughs> the slavery. whole thing. He yeah. Unpacks. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> and, and then boom, like it comes up, Oh gee, you're a slave. And, and say what you will about Jake Lloyd. <laughs> um, I think this is a really good scene for him. The way he, the, the, the kind of like, Almost like like it is to me like anger the anger with which he kind of responds mm-hmm. I'm a person am I right like he it's he's very really defiant. Yeah, yeah he really pushes back against that I that identity being his only identity so I mean going back to what you were saying earlier right um, that he's he's not a fool he knows that that's part of his identity but he's pushing back that that's his whole identity um, yeah uh, but well, like any right, and, and he denies that part of who he was. Um, as long as he needs to, right? Like he denies it when he leaves for the Jedi, when he is faced with, um, you know, future, future aspects. And he puts away, you know, the need for his mother, the, all of the aspects of the parts of him that were, uh, so, you know, prevalent on when he was on Tatooine, he packs those away because he's not supposed to feel those needs. And the Jedi actually do quite a bit of damage because he never processes any of that, those feelings or um, the trauma that he probably experienced as a slave. Um, He never speaks about it. He's not allowed to, he's not allowed to feel the need to want to go back home. Um, And it's something that he struggles with. And eventually it just turns into a different secret as he relies on a, a different woman, Padme, um, you know, because he loves her and that's seeking out the individual piece, you know. Mm-hmm. He just ends up hiding an aspect of himself that he's supposed to deny. Yeah. Wow. Um, and, what are your, and what are your thoughts on the whole, you're, are you an angel? Right. Um, (laughs) you know, I, I remember, I mean, obviously I was very young when I saw it the first time, but I thought it was just, I was very tickled by the, that language, just like, Oh, angels are in star Wars now. Right. Like, um, that's something very like Judeo Christian. Um, so to kind of throw in something that specific, but then right now we even have like Wikipedia has, you know, an article. I mean, we know that the moons of Diego are a thing now in star Wars and And he met one. Yeah. Um, (laughs) so yeah, I mean, do you feel like, I mean, this is a nine year old boy. Um, so I don't know how much he's trying to pick up this young woman that's coming into the shop or do you, do you think it's more of just like, it is just kind of this, he's kind of floored by just something about her presence that, you know, it kind of just leaps out of him, you know? Um, well, I'm, I'm certain like he finds her beautiful. Like mm-hmm. you can find another human beautiful. And yeah. I, I think that that's like where it's genuinely coming from. Children can find 
you know, older children or adults beautiful. Like we are humans and we can recognize beauty in, in other people and other things. Um, but I think that like compared to everything around him, she probably is quite beautiful. She is otherly and, you know, much to the, to again, those, those Jungian ideas that he's never really been confronted with femininity other than his mother. And she is so other than him. It will reflect back to him, maybe something that he is missing. And how could he not think that that was something that was otherworldly and goddess like mm. <laughs> yeah yeah um and and he never really has an you know a chance to understand that about himself like how how far he probably feels coming from this i mean luke describes it as the if there's a bright center of the galaxy it's you're on the planet that it's farthest from you know like tatooine is not an amazing metropolis nor is it you know the lush uh beautiful planet that uh padme comes from they they are in so many ways they come from opposite types of planets they are each other's you know yin yang in a way Mm. and that's what you would expect from you know two that were meant to be paired together like that and they do like they come together and it's still tragic though yeah (laughs) In the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I think even just uh, from a very simple, like, there, not that I'm an expert on fairy tales, but there is just something very fairy tale-like to that moment, too. Yeah. Um, just this confession of, you're beautiful. And just kind of the the assertion that by her mere presence, his life is now going to be changed. Right? Yeah. Um, and in some ways, it's kind of neat, like a neat inversion of typical fairy tales where it's you know, the prince who shows up and changes things for the, the damsel. Whereas this is the princess or the queen who shows up in the life of the peasant and, you know, and what that means for him. So you're much more of an expert on those, those things that I I mean, you know, the, the, the goddess showing up in your, in your life, she shows up and she changes your life because that's how that happens. And it, it's past the threshold, you know, you're already in the, the unknown and um, she walks through a door into his life. That's, <laughs> I mean, everything in, in the Phantom Menace is primarily from um, Padme's perspective. So it's not, you know, it's not from Obi-Wan's. It's not necessarily from Anakin's except for the fact that the pod race happens. But, you know, she's the, she's the main POV of, everything that we experience even though um you know we're supposed to be cheering for the jedi she's the one that needs to make the decisions that change the galaxy Mm, yeah yeah um and (laughs) yeah it oh this you know i think i i enjoy this scene so much too because of um just kind of just that simple reality of uh, what it can mean when someone beautiful enters your life, right? And mm-hmm. I and, and like you were saying, I don't just mean beautiful in, in that romantic sense. Like, it doesn't have oh, to no. be that, right? It can be so much more, recognizing well, the beauty. And, 
and Padme represents compassion and love and um, acceptance. She is that way. She accepts people like Jar Jar who frustrate millions of people on the internet. Uh, <laughs> she accepts <laughs> She accepts the Jedi, though. She's a little bit more frustrated with them. She accepts the Gungans. She understands the need for uh, symbiosis, especially the lesson that Qui-Gon is trying to teach Obi-Wan and Anakin throughout the whole thing is to be aware of the surroundings and what you're given and to not um necessarily deny those things and even then she's she's reticent of uh anakin and what he can potentially provide the uh the lost crew of uh the the, uh queen's yacht yeah. <laughs> I love that you called it a yacht. <laughs> I think great. it's actually called the Queen's Yacht. I, That's amazing. I think it's yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But no, she she really does um like part part of her journey in this is to take responsibility for her people. And it's pretty wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Um oh, yeah, it's I would imagine even on Padme's end to be to be greeted like that. Um yeah. might be surprising. Yeah. And yeah. right like her whenever she's in her queen's regalia, right? Whenever she's doing yeah. probably formal she probably gets all sorts of honorary titles, right? Um and, and addressed in very honorific ways, but this is her in undercover street garb mode and given mm-hmm. a gre- greeting like that. And in some ways, what's so beautiful, too, is is Anakin sees the true her in a really kind of profound way, right? There's yeah. there's just this simple lens from this young person. And I think, right, that's always been a huge point of, of George Lucas' Star Wars is just the wonder of children. And, you know, um, kind mm-hmm. of just this, this sweet innocence to this young boy who kind of sees her true identity as soon as she walks in. Um, you know, yeah. it's it's... I just yeah, and like yeah, you're no, you're absolutely right. She is not in her uh, her typical garb, which would be intimidating and is meant to be of you know to to give home court advantage to the queen (laughs) in some ways, right? Um, And yeah, she's just there as as Padme. Uh, You know, she's not she's dressed as a handmaiden in disguise, and that is very fairy tale having. Uh, the royal mm. personage dress yeah. up in disguise is a very fairy tale thing to say, well, I am not that. I am this, and this is who I truly am, stripped away of all of the things that you think make me up. This is who I truly am, and he's instantly able to see, you know, who she truly is, is somebody who is full of compassion, which we would associate with angels. Because, like, mm. George Lucas isn't writing in a in a vacuum. He's writing right. it as a reflection of our collective unconscious, and our collective unconscious understands angels as, you know, things that we, you know, some pray to to have guidance mm. or um, are full of love, especially for humanity, and who come as a blessing to those who are worthy too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so obviously like my, my one limited area of, of somewhat level of expertise is like, <laughs> is, is scripture. And, 
you know, it, it this just really has me thinking a lot of, you know, this the story of when the angel Gabriel comes to like this young, young woman, Mary, and basically has this pr- pronouncements of like, hey, you know, God's going to show up in your life in a very big way. Um, and, you know, to kind of give it that kind of biblical proportion in this little very kind of mundane moment. That's that's something that I've always loved about certain moments in Star Wars is where they can have these profound impacts, yet they're mm-hmm. just so pedestrian, right? They're just so imminent and and dirty and incarnational. And um <laughs> right, like and like when you think of that moment from like that that famous story in Luke's gospel, you know, we've had centuries of beautiful paintings and artwork where it's always this really kind of profound event. Oh, hey, Mary, your life's about to change. Yeah. 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 You know, the reality (laughs) of it was probably much more subtle, which much more lit life, like, like kind of this moment in star Wars. Right. Um, I always, you know, still looking back, I've always found it interesting that George Lucas decided to go that route with the prequels by showing Anakin as a chosen one, right? Like in my own Mm -hmm. headcanon going into the prequels. I mean, a virginal birth. Right. Yeah, like very, very biblical. Yeah, and and you know, there are still sometimes when I think to myself, like, oh, I, I it could have probably worked just as well, if not maybe better, that Anakin just be a Jedi who fell from grace, right? Like he was an every mm-hmm. he was the every person, um, rather than this kind of messianic figure almost. Um, yeah, but <laughs> it being, complicates things, right? Yeah, because it it gives a certain. Um, it gives the force a lot of um, uh, you have to be a special person, yeah. You know, in some ways, even right. though we see tons of Jedi in in the prequels and in, in the second trilogy, it doesn't. It it still has this feeling like the only people that make a difference are maybe a, f- a handful of people rather mm. than you know everybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that being said, you know, the, the quibbles about those particular choices aside, cause they're the choices that were made and that's the story we have. Um, yeah. I think, you know, at least for myself, I've, I've come to like really enjoy moments like this because of the, like, like the way you just so expertly put it is, is, you know, George doesn't write in a vacuum, you know, no star Wars creator does. Um, and so what are the, these kind of like mythical underpinnings of, of our own culture that are going to inform us? And this is one of those moments. It's that moment where um, just something divine, if you will, in, in the personage of Padme shows up and Anakin's world will never be the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and, mm-hmm. and while... I mean, that's, that's very much like the, the, the herald of things to change, right? To, yeah. She kind of fulfills that for Anakin that like... Um, a supernatural element enters his world and suddenly he is transformed or changed. Uh, I always thought that uh, they were going to go the route that Padme was a force user that she didn't know. Mm. Like she didn't know she was a force user Uh, just because in so many ways, um, Anakin needed somebody to balance his life out and, um, I just thought that would be really an interesting idea that they like Padme didn't understand her true power in her, the connection to the universe, um, even though she was somewhat of uh, a pawn of the force too. 
Mm. Anybody who has that much power in a galactic setting is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, boy, and, you know, in this, this moment is going to really define so much of Anakin. And, yeah. you know, and when they, it's the reason he probably decides to help. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Meeting Padme, seeing that she's kind, she's from somewhere else, that uh, she's interested in his story and who he is and is willing to listen to the fact that he is a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, he seeks them out and offers to help. Right. Yeah. And the, and what's so beautiful is like, even after that moment of, you know, like we were saying, you know, he, there's kind of this angry response of I'm a person. Um, Padme quickly, you know, Oh, you know, I'm sorry. This is a strange place to me. Right. Like just kind of admits that, um, you know, I think in a lot of ways kind of humbles herself in that moment to say like, you know, Oh gee, there's, there's a reality to life that I was not aware of. Right. And Mm -hmm. then she obviously kind of shares that a little bit more deeply a few scenes later when they're all having, you know, a meal together and and says, you know, I thought slavery was outlawed. (laughs) Um, and, and she's kind of given a very, um, uh, unfortunate truth of the galaxy of the galaxy that exists outside. And that, yes, there can be democracy, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it isn't without other areas of, the universe or the galaxy suffering. Right. And that there probably will always be suffering of some sort in the galaxy and you can never have it fully perfect. That's another thing that like is really hard to wrap your head around is that like the world um, may never be perfect, (laughs) but all we can do is try to continuously make it better for more and more people. Mm. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, these things can't, the more that we try to change the world, the more that the world will probably try to resist that change. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, the only thing we can do is, you know, kind of try and fail better next time. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I like what you just said there too and, and this idea you know like the truth of like just trying to make the world better it seems like that is one very profound common ground for Anakin and Padme too in episode 1 mm-hmm. right you know Padme is that kind of that incarnational compassion and love of um working for the betterment of specifically her own people on Naboo but obviously concerned with much bigger perspective. And then you have Anakin still just kind of with that, like that, that simple yet beautiful innocence of, you know, where he confesses not long after this too, you know, the, the biggest problem in this world is no one helps each other. Right. It's a, it's a lesson that his mother taught him and he's really obviously mm-hmm. taken to heart. And it would, it would really make sense that that, that is something that draws these two characters together is kind of that, that simple desire to just, do better to, to make Mm -hmm. the world better. Um, and you know, I know in, um, uh, queen shadow, right. You have that storyline where Padme does send, uh, one of, I don't can't remember which one, but one of the handmaidens to, 
uh, Tatooine to try to find Shmi. Sabe. Um, Sabe, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so she obviously is profoundly impacted by this experience herself. Yeah. Um, and, and although she's not in contact with Anakin at the time, she's still influenced by it just as much as he was influenced by their interactions throughout the Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. They they stick with you, these things, right? The understanding of um, there isn't just me out there in the world. There's others. Yeah. Um, and understanding that you are both um, yourself as well as part of a larger galaxy or a larger world and that you're not alone in all of this is a big step forward to understanding humanity mm-hmm. and understanding that you can't just be individualistic. Um, being individualistic is, you know, very dark side, very selfish, right? Yeah. You got to try to think about others. And, the, and that's what the force is, is, is understanding how interconnected everything is. And that um, it's, it's not just the force of what you can do in the galaxy. It's the force of what everyone can do together. Which is why Chirrut said, may the force of others be with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I mean, yeah. that's from an early draft of Star Wars, but still, yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Because, I mean, that's what George uh, pulled the force from, was the, um, the idea that it's the force of others that uh, interconnects us. The force is between all living things because it is made up of the energy of life. It is the energy of life. And that, you know, you can't have one without the other. And mm-hmm. that the things that we do affect others. Yeah. And the things that others do affect us. And we are both ourselves and the whole, the whole of the galaxy at the same moment. And once you can understand that, things like the world between worlds make a lot more sense. Mm. Because you're not... You're not alone in this, and there is no difference between the past and the present if everything is interconnected. Mm. It is all the same thing. And yet you are also yourself. Yeah. You are both things, just like the yes. statement that you are a slave and an individual. Mm. You are part of the larger whole. You are part of this institution, this galaxy, but you are also you. I love that. I don't. I don't have anything else to say because you, you have thoroughly. <laughs> I have more. Uh, oh, please go then. I don't want to. It's, it's the it's the hardest concept to get like back to the start of the conversation that there is no difference, and that um, that's truly like in the Joseph Campbell sense of the word, the mask of God. To understand that you can be both these things at the same time, that you are beyond momentarily when you actually do understand that you can be two things simultaneously, um, is the understanding of what it must feel like to understand from a perspective of God. You're beyond linear time. You understand that um, it's as, as impossible as it is, you can be both things. Mm. part of the universe and an individual. Yeah. Because the force being like a godlike entity in Star Wars um 
doesn't view things as separate may momentarily view you as an individual but for the most part it is all the force there is no difference mm-hmm. like yeah. yoda would say yeah and it as as momentarily as that happens as 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 in the moment as that happens that we understand what eternity feels like um it, questing for that understanding of the complexity that these things can both exist at the same time helps us better interconnect us with the whole and understand that if we are thinking about the whole, we must have compassion because it is compassion for ourselves and everything that exists within the universe, which is the same as ourselves. Mm. To understand our interconnectivity is compassion. Because how can you not love yourself, which is everything? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a very um, uh, core teaching in, in the Hindu scriptures uh, where it, it's, it's – um, the Sanskrit is tatavami asi, which means that is you. Um, and it's this this story where uh, like a teacher is teaching this student um, the difference between Atman and Brahman and and um, Brahman in Hindu mythology is is God is mm-hmm. kind of that transcendent reality whereas Atman is the soul that exists within all living things mm-hmm. um, so not just people um, but the reality in 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 the Hindu wor- the worldview is very much like all that you've been saying. And to be fair, especially the the original Star Wars stories, the spirituality was much more derivative from Eastern philosophy than it was Western. And there's um, a lot of um, especially Indian uh, influences in the prequels, like with Padme and yeah. with um, a lot more of the symbiosis concept. There's a there's a similar um, idea actually in Judaism where um, everybody has everybody's soul is made up of God that was broken into pieces, mm. <laughs> you know. Um, every every aspect, of, every person is part of the whole. Yeah. Even the, even if they're broken and they're separate at this moment, and so this is a very humanistic thought actually that. You know, the soul, the Holy Spirit, if we were to talk about Christianity, is all part of the one Holy Spirit, too. So, it's not, we ourselves, you know, the story of Star Wars plugs into our collective unconscious because it is telling us the story and the truths that we know, which is that we cannot separate ourselves from others out there and... Uh, we have to have compassion for others because having compassion for them is also having compassion for ourselves. Mm. Yeah. Uh, It's the complexity of two thoughts at the same time, right? Yeah. And, and this gives me a lot of hope for the future, understanding this idea and the, and the transcendent thoughts and the idea that, you know, it's not the binary any longer. It is that third way, that middle way, that that um, the idea that you—it's not us versus them; it's both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's 
it has to be both. It has to, we have to have a, a third way, a, a, a different path than just existing as light or dark. You have to find your own path. And that's what, you know, Joseph Campbell would talk about as your own journey. And yeah. that's resolving that you're not going to be one or the other, that you have to know that both of these things exist at the same time. Mm-hmm. And um, why this gives me a lot of, of hope for the future is uh, Leslie Headland, who has been hired to do um, a show, I think, or a movie. Um, she did uh, Russian Doll, and she has this uh, this great scene that's in um, one of the one of the moments um, in Russian Doll, and it, she <laughs> Nadia is finally confronting what is happening to her and I won't spoil anything from Russian Doll if you haven't seen it but I highly highly recommend watching it if you kind of want to understand where the future storytelling is going and it's weird and it's wonderful I hope <laughs> um so her Nadia is the main character and her kind of surrogate parent is named Ruth and she says holding two incompatible ideas in your head at the same time and accepting them both is the best of being human. Mm. And that's the truth. It's the idea that we can both be part of the whole and the individual. And navigating that is our journey. Mm. Yeah. So uh, to just to like bring this all the way back then to where it all started <laughs> with that, that statement that really has, is, you know, kind of blossomed, uh, which is just simply the truth that Anakin accepts that he's both these things, um, that he is both a slave. And I don't think he yeah. he fully accepts it until, um, you know, Return of the Jedi when he's finally right. You know, with his his son, yes. and he understands that um, two things are true. <laughs> <laughs> My yes. son can be a Jedi and also sacrifice his life for me. He didn't need to just be a Jedi or just be a Sith. Yeah. And he understands. Right. Then. Cause th- and that's right. Like the, I would say in this moment in Phantom Menace, I don't, I don't know that it's that you would say that Anakin fully accepts that he is both those things, right? Because he No, does, and he struggles he, with that. And right. it, it becomes his darkness and his shadow yeah. all, the whole time. Yeah. His desire to be an individual in, in the institution. His uh, not facing the fact that he, uh, you know, left his mother and uh, that, that guilt on his, um, on, his, on his soul in some ways, um, as well as you know, that he was a slave and that, you know, every moment of Anakin's life, he is a slave in some ways. He's a slave to the Republic. He, uh, you know, a servant of the Republic, at least. He's treated better, of course, than indentured servitude. But in some ways, he's he doesn't have any choices. He has mm-hmm. no choice to live his life freely as a Jedi. Um and then when he's under Palpatine and under Sidious, he is the servant of a master, an evil master. And he does exactly what Palpatine wants him to do. And only in the moment that he goes against Palpatine does he actually fully realize his um, his individuality, finally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So... it that full circle journey is summed up in the truth of finally accepting 
that you can be both and. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and if you think about it, like just the transcendent uh, moment for Star Wars. And that's yeah. why everybody's like, this is the most important or Dave Filoni at least is like, this is the most important moment. And it's also summed up in the duel of the fates and it's not, you know, it's not based on the duel of the fates from Dave Filoni's perspective is not the fact that, you know, Oh, it's, you know, Jedi versus Sith and who will win. It's who will train Anakin, mm-hmm. you know, who yeah. will give him the perspective of balance. Cause Qui-Gon would have given him that perspective and would have understood the complexities of being an individual as well as being part of an institution and individual desires as well as institutional requirements. And his mother being very, very important to him and understanding all of that. Well, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Really good. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's... I mean, I'm not even a little amazed because of, again, I know what you're, I just know. The you weren't pre- expecting the pre- that from, uh, hey, are you slave? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm no, but I was, ex- I mean, I'm not surprised with the breadth of knowledge and, and, and analysis that you bring to Star Wars. So, um, so thank you for taking this like 50 second moment and taking each of those seconds and turning them into a minute of discussion. So like th- yeah, that was yeah. great. And this is like, this is why star Wars podcasts exist. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, well. and I think that you just really showcased kind of the, the wonder of what you do with what the force <laughs> is. This is the route you take. And that's why I love what you do over there. Um, and I'm just, again, so glad that you were able to be here for this <laughs> and, and pick such a, such a great moment and give and giving us all such a different way to look at it. Um, and a much, in a, in a sense, a lot more complete way to look at it, that this is a huge moment in the star Wars mythos that, but it's quiet. It's quiet. Yes. It's a quiet moment. And exactly. um, sometimes we overlook the quiet moments, especially when George was writing, George thinks about things in just such a different way. And so once you kind of get used to his, uh, his logic, cause it's not, it's not, hey, it's directly on the page at this moment. George always thinks like three three feet to the side and, and off where you were thinking about going, but you didn't even know. Um, it, there's, this, there's this really great anecdote that I know, um, anecdote, sorry, uh, that I know uh, he's, George was speaking with his, his now wife, um, about she was working she's a businesswoman of course Mm -hmm. and she was struggling with something um everything was kind of blowing up at work and george taking care of the kids or whatever he's doing now that he's retired was uh trying to explain or listening to her she was very frustrated she's like i just don't know how we're gonna get through this and and it's very difficult and he's like well you you grew up in chicago (laughs) you know you know what chicago winters are like that's all he said to her and she went back to work and she just kept on going and got through the day. And only at the end of the day did she understand that what he meant was walking through the wind and the cold in a Chicago street with the snow blowing in your face. You keep your head down and you keep on moving. And he was trying to explain to her like where she needed to go. 
but without actually telling her what she needed to know, she needed <laughs> to figure that out for herself. Yeah. And a lot of Star Wars, when George was writing or George was responsible for it, is like that, is that it's not going to tell you exactly what you need to know. You mm-hmm. have to watch it and think about it. Uh, <laughs> what a, yeah. Oh, George, always teaching. And always with like something <laughs> but, simple. You yet. know, he wants you to, he wants you to, eat it and consume it and yeah. and like digest it and understand it and it's not going to necessarily be as simple as you know just telling you straight up like drugs are bad kids like don't do drugs like he's not right. going to say that right, and right, he's not right. going to say you know he he's going to give you complex thoughts yeah. uh and it's all there in the Phantom menace by the way because in the end there's symbiosis is an important discussion, right? It's mm-hmm. not about existing on your own. The Naboo and the Gungans have to exist together to right. overcome the conflicts that they have. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's why, like, you know, for obviously years now, Phantom Menace is always getting ranked on um, by a lot of annoying people, in my opinion. Um, (laughs) and you know, like uh, the famous machete order of like how to, you know, a fun way to watch star Wars, but they always say, Oh, you can just omit Phantom Menace because nothing happens there is to me the most like ignorant thing about star Wars. Um, not the most, but it's up there. And you know, my kids love the Phantom Menace. I I do too. And and my husband's favorite movie of the saga. And I, uh, I mean, other than the Last Jedi, it it understand it it speaks about the Force and in these larger concepts in such a brilliant way. Um, I just think that like some of the execution was a little rough around the edges. Sure. That's okay though. Yeah, all absolutely. the thoughts are there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and but like especially with everything you were just like you've been talking about for like the last you know hour now is is kind of just this that within not all, like so. This both this moment and this movie both and kind of sum up one of the cent- like probably one of the most central truths of Star Wars, um, right? That we are mm-hmm. we are one and the same. We mm-hmm. you know we we coexist and mm-hmm. that that individuality is always going to be expressed within that interconnectedness. Um, so what you do as an individual affects those around you and yeah to be brutally honest like it's very evident in what's going on globally right now right with the pandemic we still have so many people that choose to use that individuality as this statement as something against the communal understanding well mm-hmm. it's my right to not do this sure but now it's now it's you're also corrupting the whole because yeah, of that or or you're putting the the whole at danger and right. and yeah this is you see it accepted a lot easier in in cultures that are considered to be uh collective right. like um like China and yep, Korea and yep. Japan that like the whole is more important than the individual or just as important as the individual right yeah mm. so um well, thank you for this incredibly like pertinent conversation and beautiful synopsis of Star Wars. <laughs> Using it's my, it's my new favorite thing is to find like <laughs> small moments and be like, "Well, actually, this is what this is about." Yeah, it's, uh, it's fun. <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah. Oh goodness. Well, 
thank you so much, Marie Claire, for for being here to to do this episode and sharing all of your knowledge and your wisdom. And this is to me like this is just a small moment in the ocean of what you bring with what the force. <laughs> so that being said, before we go, before we wrap this up, uh, please share with everyone listening where they can, uh, you know, get more involved with all the projects and all the the infinite infinite Star Wars knowledge you have. Um, oh, okay. Uh, so if you are interested in seeing me tweet about Star Wars, uh, What the Force is available at What the Force Show on Twitter. My personal Twitter is Marie C. Gould. So you can check me out there. Um, G-O-U-L-D. It's a weird spelling. Um, you can check out What the Force at whattheforce.ca or the podcast is available on any podcast apps and youtube occasionally i do live streams as well which is a lot of fun uh and then you can actually see me <laughs> which is which is fun um but what the force has actually started to publish articles and we are exploring things from a meta perspective and doing more reviews of star wars content just because i wanted to do more star wars my way and so i have brought on a bunch of um really amazing writers to help out uh what the force but yeah, we do fun uh, explorations. I'm pretty decent at interviewing. So whenever I get a really cool content creator from Star Wars, I, we have a really uh, amazing deep dive into Star Wars itself. And uh, yeah, this is a good taste of what you will get on What the Force. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, again, thank you for making the time because I know you're you're so busy over there, not to mention the fact that you're also like a parent and a spouse and a million and other things. I work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you this can be hobby. all those things. Yeah. yeah. Um, you can be all of those things and still love Star Wars. Yeah. Um, yeah. So thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Um, so that's going to do it for us here uh, with this second episode of Star Wars Lessons. Um, on behalf of Marie Claire, I'm Carl. And we will see you next time here in the Wampa's Lair.